everyone, my name is Taylor Clement and I'm head of school at Kirk Day School. I'm Maria Massey, assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Emily Neenheis, the director of One Heart Family Ministries. And today's podcast, we will be talking about a funny phrase called TBRI. And what does that have to do with you parents? Well, we will explain. This is something that our faculty have recently done a full day training in. They spent roughly six and a half hours uh, this past week uh, being uh, not just introduced, but but really almost indoctrinated with, with this because it's something that is powerful and means a lot. And so, uh, Emily, I'm going to go ahead and just ask you, what is TBRI? And tell us what the, what the letters stand for, but then uh, we'll jump into more of how it, it, it's pertinent to day school. But what's TBRI? TBRI stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention. So it all came from an amazing woman named Dr. Karen Purvis, who was in the child psychology department at Texas Christian University. And she created um, with her coworker, Dr. David Cross, this TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention, and then created a few things from it that we can talk about later. But it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing way to think about starting relationships based on trust. And I was first introduced to this uh, through my sister-in-law. She has two children biologically, and she's adopted two children. And part of their adoption process was they had to go and get training uh, through the Karen Purvis Institute mm-hmm. at, um, at TCU. And they went through TBRI, and so I was introduced to some of the terminology, some of the principles. But one of the things that I love really about this program, and again, it's trust-based. You say, what is what's TBRI stand for as you're listening to this because we will use those letters um, a lot today. Just think trust base, mm-hmm. trust based intervention. Um, but one of the things that's so beautiful about this is it's so Christ like. It's mm-hmm. seeing the child as an image bearer, which is uh, one of our core tenets, theological tenets at Kirk Day School. Seeing the child as an inner image bearer and responding to them with building trust and loving them as who they are. And I think so often Jesus did this. Now, there's discipline within these parameters, which I think is, is highly important to remember. There's discipline. There is uh, you know, definitely a way to react with one another. But it is seeing each other as an image bearer, and it's, it's, it's so precious to, to see that and, and to be trained with it. So um, that being said, why, Maria, uh, tell, tell our folks why we decided to do this for our classrooms in particular, because this is kind of historically, it, it does deal with a lot of kids coming from mm-hmm. hard places, mm-hmm. but, but why this, why our classrooms? Yeah, uh, you know, originally it was developed for kids from hard places, used a lot in the adoption and foster care world, but what we have seen is that the principles of TBRI are good for everybody. It's not, you know, isolated to just one one kind you know group of kids um, and so the great thing about the training that we did is the teachers were given really practical tips and um, things to try on how to connect with the child first and then you know integrate whatever they need the child to do mm-hmm. um, which is much how we parent obviously you know our relationship and our connection with our children is what motivates that so uh, that's kind of what we wanted to bring to our teachers. Um, and I don't know if you can maybe, Emily, speak to how you've seen this be helpful in the classroom, just as a parent and even as administering it to a larger group of, of people. Um, the classroom training is 
um, is really good. Yeah, I mean, it, it starts, as you said, it starts with that trust-based connection and that relationship. And for me as a parent, when my kids' teachers have had a relationship with them where my kids actually trust them mm -hmm. for the little things and the big things within the classroom and around the school setting, they are more interested in investing in their education, even as you know, first grader or third grader. Yeah. They want to be there because they know that that teacher is going to provide a safe, caring, nurturing environment for them. And in short, you know, it's a way for our teachers to better understand our kids, but also, you know, everybody wants to know, are you going to be there for me? Right. If right. I'm having a hard day or if I've messed up, can I trust that you're going to be able to pick me up, that you're, that you're going to be loving and gracious towards me mm -hmm. in my worst moments? Mm -hmm. And this training focuses on how to implement that connection from the beginning in really um, simple ways, um, meaningful ways, but simple ways. Well, and I would go back to something that we did in August, and that was in our podcast with Leonard Sachs. One of the big quotes that he has, and kind of hit one of his bumper sticker quotes, would be, if you want a better kid, be a better parent. Yeah. yeah. And that's a tough, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow, because you, you think, man, I'm doing everything I can, I'm doing everything I can to provide for my family, or make sure that they're fed, and you know, you think about your emotional investment, but one of the things that I would say that, that this um, does is it does give you tools to be a better parent, yeah. right? Because you're, you're loving your child and meeting them where they are. Before we go any further though, Emily, would you do us a favor um, and just tell us about your role in One Heart Family Ministries? Because you have one or two kids that have come through the school. Yeah, just a few. Yeah. This is yeah. my 11th year with kids at Kirk Bay School. Yes. Um, and all of my children are adopted. So I was a foster parent for um, St. Louis City Children's Division for 17 years. And my girls all came to me through foster care and their stories led to me adopting them. But since 2004, I've been the director of One Heart. And One Heart seeks to recruit, assist in training, and then support Christian families that are fostering and adopting kids through our Missouri foster care system. And um, as we've grown as a ministry and learned how to better care for and support our families who are caring for kids that are coming from hard places, um, we got connected with Karen Purvis and Empowered to Connect, which is the parent um, conference. And Kirk has hosted that conference for a few years now, but it's a weekend conference for anybody that's caring for kids, whether it's parents, teachers, Sunday school workers, counselors, just um, learning on how connection it needs to be the basis of relationships and building trust with our kids that we're caring for. Um, so for me as a parent, I started going to these conferences eight years ago now. Yeah, wow. And the parenting that my kids have had since I've learned this information is dramatically different than the first eight or nine years of parenting my kids. Um, my younger kids got this and my older kids had to go through some you know, I, I tried to be a good parent, but there were things that I would have done differently had I had this yeah. education mm -hmm. and knowledge um, as a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, thanks for that, and thanks for your vulnerability there, which I think vulnerability is also something that, that shows throughout this, is how can we be appropriately vulnerable with our children yeah. to, show, mm -hmm. to show our own, uh, frankly, contriteness yeah. uh, with them as well. So let's, let's jump into this, because um, a lot of what we're talking about 
uh, was rooted in more in a, a, of an adoption place or children who are in the foster care system. However, because there's been so much success from these practices, it's really gone into parenting and now into the classroom, and, and there's so many universal truths that come with this. That being said, let's start with this, drama versus trauma. And we, we live in West County, St. Louis. Um, you know, my kid goes through drama, not really trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when it's in our world, it feels like trauma. It feels that way. It may feel that way when we do a Facebook post about it or what, what have you. But frankly, it's not trauma as we want to think about it or as Hollywood tells us we should think about it. So can we start, and Maria, maybe, maybe start with you with our kids in, that we see in the building every day. Kind of differentiate between the two things. Yeah, I think, you know, right now, in a lot of positive ways, trauma has become a much more well-known word yeah. in our culture, uh, which I think has so many positive uh, things about it. And what I say with trauma is that, you know, trauma takes our voice away. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes our, our God-given ability to be um, an agent in this world. Uh, it takes that away. And that's why it's so damaging, is because it's hitting at one of the core things that, that God created us for. And that can look a lot of different ways. And it can, trauma can happen quickly. Um, it can happen over a long period of time. In, in the world that I'm a part of, sometimes it's referred to as big P traumas and little T traumas. And so your yeah. typical big T's are what you're gonna think of that comes across the news. Um, a little T trauma, maybe a divorce. Um, But I think it's really important that when we talk about trauma, we understand that there are not clear-cut categories, right? Because everybody's story is different. Everybody's experience is different. And, you know, while someone's divorce um, may not have been traumatic, other people's divorces are. Um, And that's just one example. I mean, you can use a car wreck. You can use the death of a family member, I mean, across the board. Our response to that death of a family member is different for everyone around the table. Exactly. And the key to, you know, recovering and and, um, trauma not keeping control over our life is what we do with it. Mm -hmm. And what TBRI tries to do with it um, is really acknowledge it and start to build that firm foundation of trust, but also um, empowerment. Mm -hmm. You know, that, like I said, trauma takes our voice, and part of what TBRI does is learn how to give our our kids back the voice that they may have lost. So when we think about West County, St. Louis, I mean, yes, on the outside, people would maybe not say, oh yeah, you know, we're not impoverished, we're, we're in a fairly safe neighborhood, uh, but that does not mean that hard things don't happen right. and, and things that tear our connection apart from other people. Uh, and, you know, one of the questions she asked at the end of the first session was, and when you think about your kids, what kind of qualities um, do you want for them in their relationships? Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's such an important question because that you ask anybody and they're going to say we want our kids to have integrity we want our kids to be loving and gracious and all of that starts with a good healthy connection 
So I don't know, add, add to that. Um, I get passionate about this because I sit with people a lot and who have said, oh yeah, this wasn't a big deal and it is. Yeah, as um, you start to unpack those things, you realize it really did affect who they yeah. are and, and how they're processing life. Um, yeah, it, it's not always the big stuff. It's, you know, we had a very random fender bender little thing probably three or four years ago. But my twins, who are nine, still talk about that randomly when we're in the car. And that's just a very minor thing. Mm. But that could be a little tiny trauma that maybe they won't want to drive when they're 16. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. But, um, you know, it's those little things that happen in life that we're processing differently. And we need the support not only at home and through counseling maybe for some, but also our teachers spend a lot of time with our kids. So to know that they're looking at their classroom through that lens as well um, is extremely important to me as a parent. Yeah. So a few years ago, a statistic was thrown at me that the most at-risk youth are not the bottom 10 or even 1%, it's the top 10 or yeah. 1% because there are more funds, more time, um, more resources available to them um, to basically get in trouble and to fall into patterns of misbehavior. Mm -hmm. And if you do look at, at certain areas of crime rate where you're seeing more of an explosive population, um, you know, this may have been West County years ago, but I definitely know of other areas around the country where you've seen this, where suburbia begins to grow in its affluence, mm -hmm. you begin to see crime rates pick up because kids are bored. Yeah. Um, they're not having to get a second job. They're not, you know, they, they may have their own car, their own transportation, that sort of thing. So there are these, these aspects that, that we can feel, but that still seems somewhat distant when we're talking about an elementary school and an elementary school community. So Emily, my question to you primarily would be, when you look at some of the situations that you have to deal with, which are going to be some pretty traumatic situations, yeah. either in utero trauma or, or infancy type of trauma that there may not be the cognitive um, ability to recall, but there will be an emotional and, and definitely long-lasting long mm -hmm. effect. Mm -hmm. Two, maybe a kid who's grown up in a really sweet, you know, middle-class home in West County, St. Louis. How have you seen trauma affect both of those? And I, and I like Maria's designation of big T's, little T's, but trauma's still affecting. Can you kind of just comment on that of, of having a foot in both camps? Well, and I think it, some of it goes back to how that trauma started. And sure, in the foster care and adoption world, we think about abuse, neglect. Those are big pieces to trauma. But what we forget about for all of our kids is anybody that was born premature mm -hmm. and had mm -hmm. some sort of, or even had a traumatic pregnancy of mm -hmm. some sort, um, born premature and early hospitalization um, or other you know, medical diagnosis, which is a, can be a big trauma for some of our kids. Um, and I think we forget pieces of that, and a, a lot of our kids today have that piece to their story. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of you know, challenging pregnancies and other things that are affecting our kiddos and our families. Um, but really just, you know, watching our kids walk through life and the relationships that they have, they're being affected by even just those that are doing life with them. Um, and yeah, there are some sad stories out there and our typical kids are being affected by those sad stories and trying to figure out how to care for their friends that are going through some tough things. Um, so I just think because if we're folks that are involved in ministry, we're involved in different walks of life and caring for people from all different places, 
our kids might personally be affected, but they might be watching others that are personally affected by this. So teaching them how to connect and care for those that they're walking through life with is also critical. So it may not be that they've had the personal big trauma experience, yeah. but they may be you know, walking alongside somebody who has and um, teaching them how to care for them through that is important as well. And, you know, we live in a broken world, um, and all of our relationships are going to be broken, unfortunately. And, and again, the thing that I love about this is that the, the, the foundation is how do I connect better? You know, we are wounded in relationships and we are healed in relationships Mm -hmm. and they're, they're foundational to who we are, um, as God's image bearers. And so it's, it's something that every child and every teacher can benefit from because we have to do relationships all the time. Yeah. And like, you know, we always say our goal is to raise children who are good employees, <coughs> who are good bosses, who are honorable wives and, and husbands and mothers and fathers. And this is foundational to that. So we've said what TDRI is in the trust-based response intervention. And we've kind of defined why, why the classroom We've also defined kind of the trauma versus trauma side. So we've kind of put put a good fence up of what we're talking about. But now let's step into really the applicable pieces of this. And let, let's get into really the, the first word, and that is regulation. And so who wants to who wants to <laughs> who wants a chance at this one? So regulate. Um, somebody talk about that one. Uh, Emily, would you start? Sure. So when our babies are first born, we're loving on them and teaching them how to how we're going to meet their needs. Um, so your baby's hungry. You feed your baby. Your baby feels that you've met their need. They're calm. They're moving on um, to the next need that they might have a few minutes later. And then as your kids get a little bit older, moving into the toddler years and beyond, you are co-regulating with them. So you're teaching them that when they respond. Um, to not getting what they want, needing a snack. If their response is to throw a little temper tantrum of some sort, you're teaching them the appropriate response. I'm here to help you, I'm here to meet your need. We're gonna go through this you know, need for a snack together. I'm gonna teach you how to do that. And then as they grow older through the elementary years and beyond, they're needing to regulate their own emotions. And so they're, you're not there sitting in the classroom with them, you're not there when they're interacting with friends on the playground or sporting events so forth, they're needing to respond um, to difficult situations in an appropriate way at times. Whether it's a friend has made them upset or something's happened in the classroom or on the playground, you don't really want your 12-year-old throwing a fit, so you're gonna, you're, hopefully you have that basis of, we've been regulating with you together when you're little, and now that you're older and on your own, you can handle challenging situations without having an extreme emotion mm-hmm. um, and you know that's throughout the rest of your life I, no one wants to see me throw a fit at the office either <laughs> just because I didn't get my Cheez-Its you know so it's you know it's, it, that's a tough thing to regulate yes it is uh, so yeah that's kind of the whole learning how to regulate and and being there when they're little but then hopefully having healthy you know young adults and adults that can regulate themselves and you know we never outgrow our need for regulation. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're gonna arrive at some place where we never have to regulate. Right. Um, it's not something that we're deficient in. What we have to learn and teach our children is how to ask for help when they need help. Right. And that's what I love about TDRI, is that is such a prime 
focus and foundation of we are going to teach you how to ask for what you need to get your needs met. Yeah. And you know, we need that all the way up into adulthood when we're in adult relationships. Yeah. We need to learn how to ask for what we need. Yeah. Um, because you're right, it goes all the way through life. So it's not that needing to regulate is a bad thing or means that you're not healthy. It's a part of being human. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and there's instances as an adult where you can choose to respond in an emotional way mm-hmm. or you can choose to respond in a logical, mm-hmm. kind, mm-hmm. gentle mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are things you've learned as you have had helps uh, folks help you co-regulate. Yes, yes. And the emotions aren't aren't bad. They're valid. They're understandable. It's learning what we do with those, right. how we respond to those when we feel crazy. Yeah. Because that's how some of these kids feel. And they feel threatened at times yeah. or scared um, or unsafe. And that's why we respond in the ways that we do. Yeah. So it's teaching them, you're safe in this moment. I'm here to help you meet whatever need may need to be met and one of the one of the pieces of regulating is the redo concept yeah and that is so important and i i will say i feel like in that regulating by allowing a child to redo something or re-respond to something you really empower them and de-escalate a situation that, that could be your nightmare as well yeah. yeah um you know cleaning up the toys Oh, no, I don't want to. Why don't you try that again? Mm-hmm. Let's try it the right way. Or it might be, hey, I didn't love that response. Mm-hmm. Could you give me a respectful response like, uh, yes, sir, or may I have a moment to, to finish this? And I know a story I shared with you guys was my wife and I were at lunch with another couple. We really respect their parenting. And yet um, they had asked one of their children to do something. And the, the mom specifically asked the child to do something. And the child went oh I'm talking and the father said hey why don't you just ask mom may I finish my story and then I'll go do what you asked me to do mm-hmm. and the child composed themselves for a second realized that was probably a good idea did it and things went on yeah. very swimmingly and did it respectfully and knew knew that was kind of a trend mm-hmm. and these are parents that, that do a great job of disciplining their children have great product of their kids um, are very supportive in, in the way that they want to emotionally nurture their children, but also feel like they're very well balanced and not being, um, you know, too much of, of what I would consider a lawnmower parent or trying to trying to push when we all have those tendencies, myself included. But it was just a really great thing. But this redo concept, again, I, we practice it some, but just thinking it in a more holistic sense for me as an educator of saying, okay. Their response probably was not about me, Mr. Clement, even the authoritarian figure that I can be at times. Mm -hmm. This is going to be much more about them. And so I would say, Emily, where have you seen these concepts particularly evolve in the redo concept? And then maybe maybe even talk about um, more of just giving a compromise as well to to those kids. Yeah, there's three different kind of techniques that you might say that we do at our house. It's the redos, the compromise, and the choices. Um, and redos, that works for your preschoolers all the way up through your big kids. Yeah. Um, there's you know definitely times when our kids either, as you said, asked for something in a very harsh, appropriate, inappropriate way or just disrespectful way. And all I have to do is say, try it again with respect. And my kids immediately turn mm-hmm. it around and say it in a kind, respectful way. 
Um, and that took you know five seconds of our time versus me kind of having the heavy hand and saying, okay, you didn't do that the right way. You need to do it this way, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, it just you know quickly turns it around and also teaches their brain to maybe next time choose the right way to say something. Um, choices and compromise. So there's times with your little kids, you know, it's picking out two different, do you want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt to school today? That gives them some control because we're all control freaks. You meant dark blue or light blue right, shirt, right? Yeah, right, yes, sorry. <laughs> okay. just, yes. just going to make sure. Yeah, for the uniform thing, yes. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, we are all, we are just in our, most of our nature, we're control freaks. Mm -hmm. And so we want to have, you know, a say in everything we do throughout the day. And that you're seeing that with preschoolers all the way up through adults. So giving kids choices and saying, we're going to share a little bit of power here. I'm going to choose the choices, but once you, you know, once I tell you the choice, you can pick which one you want. Um, so we do a lot of choices at our house, and then compromise. There's times when my kids will come to me and say, "Well, I don't really want to do that," or they're probably saying that in a disrespectful way. So then I'm saying, "Redo it again. Ask me in a respectful way." But then, um, you know, if you don't, you want 15 more minutes to play on your game or on your phone or whatever before we have to do family chores or come to dinner or whatever it might be, they're allowed to say, can I have a compromise? And, you know, hopefully they're coming at me with a with a reasonable compromise. There's always going to be times when it's not, but most of the time it is, and we work through that compromise. And those are skills that we want our kids to have, mm -hmm. you know, from little all the way to adults. Mm -hmm. You and I have to compromise mm -hmm. in our everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, and some of it, we're saying it out loud, and sometimes we're just processing sure. it. But those are good three basic skills that can be used at home, in the classroom, at Sunday school, just yeah. interacting with, you know, kids and adults all throughout the day. Right, and we're still talking about discipline. Yes. Well, and, and I mean, we're talking about, yeah, discipleship. Right. Is, yeah. You know, um, because we don't see discipline as, as just this hammer, you did something wrong, now go serve your punishment or consequence. Mm -hmm. Part of what our goal in shaping our children, whether they're students in our building or you know our own children, is teaching them how to live in a Christ-like way in this world, yeah. and that has to involve the ability to be flexible, mm -hmm. the ability to use your voice. Like that's a huge thing uh, that that our kids need to learn how to do, and use it in a respectful way. Right. You know, there's a difference between screaming no at your boss mm -hmm. when you're an adult and saying actually. I need to set a boundary here that doesn't work for me. Right. Um, those are really important things that we that have to be a slow trickle over years and years. Mm -hmm. I know for me personally, the choices have just made a huge difference with a very passionate toddler. Mm -hmm. um, those make a, a really, I have found my level of stress in parenting and my anxiety in parenting goes mm -hmm. way down yeah. mm -hmm. when I can use choices because my daughter stays more regulated. Yeah. Um, and that's something I want her to learn to be able to do mm -hmm. is even balance choices. Well, which one would I rather have? Yeah. yeah. You know, um, would I rather eat my chicken or have and have the whipped cream or have neither? Uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's just good for anybody. It's helpful for anybody. So the, one of the things that comes to mind, at least a, a driving question with a lot of what we do at Kirk Day School, and we, we hope everything we do, is the question of what does Scripture say, mm -hmm. right? What does Scripture say, and then we say what's right, what's wrong, what's confusing. But we always want to start with the question, whether it's curriculum, whether it's other decisions, what does Scripture say? And the, the Scripture that immediately comes to mind when we're talking about 
these redos or the compromises or the choices, particularly in, in wanting to de-escalate and then disciple these children, is Second Timothy 3, 3, 16 through 17. So I'm going to read this. This is the NIV version, but starting in verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, we want to hold Scripture in the highest regard. We believe that it's inerrant and that it is God-breathed, no question. But what I love is in all these things, Scripture is doing these things. And in the same way, we as parents should be pushing Scripture to them, which we're going to be doing through, through school, but also in our parenting. But I love that it's correcting and training in righteousness so that every servant may be equipped for good works. Mm-hmm. And it's that equipping. I mean, that's that's ultimately what, what we're trying to do. And there's, there's other passages of Scripture. This one's the one that stands out. There's others that definitely affirm this process. Um, but, you know, again, none of us are saying, and I know we're in all agreement, we're not saying this gives you permission to be disrespectful, this okay. this gives you permission mm-hmm. to do, this. you know, this is not permissive. And, and Paul David Tripp says, grace is not permissive. We look mm-hmm. at Christ, grace is not permissive. Mm-hmm. Neither is this. This is just a manner in which we can we can gently disciple our children to the young man and the young woman that we want to see them become mm-hmm. um, through a way that we can teach them. And you know, you think about coaching. Coaches will often demonstrate and yeah. then instruct, not just yell, right? Mm-hmm. And and we know that. At least a good coach. A good coach. Yeah. 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 So I mean, and and I say that I, I don't want to I don't want to lose sight of that. But then kind of the last thing that, that really to bring up here uh, for our conversation is mindfulness. Um, the, the joke, even with TBRI, I definitely thought of that. I actually leaned over to Emily because we were sitting near each other. They said, what do you envision with mindfulness? I'm like, yoga on the beach. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, the, she was like, and yoga on the beach. And um, I was in California earlier this, this year and uh, was by the beach and there were people doing yoga and I'm like, oh, they're being so mindful. And it feels like this new agey term but we're not talking about being absent-minded or clearing the mind. We're talking about mindfulness being present, being present with the one that you're, that you're loving and being parenting. So, Emily, would you just talk about mindfulness for a second and, and kind of define that a little bit into the parameters of these discipleship terms that we've been discussing? Yeah, I mean, some of it starts with being mindful of just are your kids' basic needs being met in the moment when they're having a hard time um, thinking about their basic needs. Have they had time to run around? Have they had a snack? Have they had water, um, something to drink? Those are basic things that we just need to remember and be mindful of where our kid is in, at in that day. But also, I think mindfulness also means we're not distracted, we're present and we're, we're with our kid in the moment. And there's a bazillion distractions for us these days at our fingertips. Um, I was going to say, mine's about two and a half by four inches uh-huh, yeah, long uh, in this rectangular square yeah, yeah, you know, glowing yeah. device. Yeah, I would imagine every parent's heard their child say, you know, put the phone down or you're on your phone too much or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it's life. Some of it is just it's practical day-to-day things we have to do in life. But it's setting that down for the moment, for the evening, for the day, mm-hmm. whatever needs to happen in the situation to really be in tune with our kids. and and meet those needs, but also meet those emotional needs and be present um, for where they're at um, in those sweet, fun moments, but Mm -hmm. also in those moments when they're having a hard time. Yeah, and I think it's so helpful when I think about it from the classroom perspective, 
you know, if you have a kid who's talking a lot during class or who's just grumpy, mm-hmm. like giving them the opportunity to eat a snack can really help with that. And then it yeah. doesn't become like this huge discipline issue where, you know, they're disrupting class and being mean to people around them. It gives them an opportunity to say, this is what I need. Oh, I was hungry. When I'm hungry, I need to ask for a snack, which I think at times as parents, we can just assume, well, yeah, my kid knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. But we've fed them their entire life. Right, we have right. told them when they need to be hungry and when yeah. they're not going to, yeah. you know. And so some of it is a training of, of just even being able to have them recognize their body cues mm-hmm. um, and and be able to verbalize, hey, maybe when you're feeling really anxious or sad um, or upset about something, you may lash out at someone. And that's the connection there, right? When I feel sad, I get mad at someone. Right. And being able to slow that process down and teach them, okay, when you're feeling sad, there's another option for what you could do with that mm-hmm. rather than lashing out at someone. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I mean, we, as a counselor, I have, I mean, this is this is what I do with adults too. Like it doesn't stop yeah. at childhood. Um, you know, we, like they say, you know, connection is from cradle to grave. Mm-hmm. We always need to know someone's got my back. Someone else cares for me. You know, that answering that question, are you gonna be there for me? We all need that from cradle to grave. No, and, th- and that's wonderful. By the way, the, the stat that shocked me was by the time you feel thirst, mm-hmm. you've lost 10% of your cognitive ability. Yeah. And to carry over, when you think about how often your kids, you know, if they do ask for a snack, it's usually something sugary, you know, something mm-hmm. sweet. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you're a parent and your kids are saying something to the effect of, you know, hey, I'd love some broccoli and, and you know, the low-fat ranch. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead and buy a lottery ticket. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, for the most time, my kids are like, do we have any cookies? Do we have any candy? You know, they're not thinking of, of necessarily something healthy. But I love the, the thought of when we do provide snacks or we do tell them to eat, we're telling them when, we're letting them know, we're helping them, again, regulate yeah. mm-hmm. what their body's aware of. Mm-hmm. And so just to be, to be more cognizant of that is, is, really, is really phenomenal. Yeah. So, Emily, is your parent here in the school, um, and if other parents are listening, they're like, I don't know about this, I'm, I'm a little skeptical, give, give kind of like a, a, a final a final word on what you've seen with the discipleship aspect of this type of training. This isn't just cle- being clever. This is, this is what? Like, what is this? Well, I think for me, it's just thinking of where do I want my kids to be when they're adults and outside of my home and where do I want our relationship to be now mm. and when they're adults mm. and outside of outside of our home um, I want that relationship based on trust and connection and I want them to come to me when in the teenage years they're having a hard day or they're at that party and don't know who to call to come pick them up those little basic things of life I want them yeah. to know that I'm gonna be there for them and I'm human I make mistakes they make mistakes we love each other through those mistakes. We correct the mistakes when that needs to happen, but we, you know, see each other as you know. God has given us all different gifts, and um, we love each other because of those gifts, and can work through the da- the challenges in life in a trusting, loving, you know, nurturing way. Um, and this has been, you know, a total different mindset for me as I've had this training for the last seven or eight years. 
again, I don't respond most of the time in the loud, harsh way to the negative you know, thing that may have just happened. I respond in a way where I'm looking at the whole child, thinking about our day, what just happened, are they needing the snack, was there something at school that you know, they had an interaction with a friend that's now affecting them at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the whole child and then wanting that, you know, difficult situation in the end for us to have a relationship where it's trusting, it's caring, it's nurturing. Um, and then they can bring that to other relationships in the future. But then on the school side, wanting some of that to some degree between my child and their mm-hmm. teachers and others that are caring for them, the eight or so hours that they're here. I want them to feel safe. I want them to be able to go to the teacher when they have that tough interaction on the playground and it now is overflowing back into the classroom. I want them to be able to express themselves and get those needs met in a way that is healthy and respectful and kind and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that the teachers went through this training just to kind of, again, look at the kids as the whole person and their whole story um, but there's simple things that we can all do to, you know, just approach our kids in a trust-based relationship way. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for your time, Emily. Um, yeah. I know this has been a big part of your training, both professionally and parentally, and uh, and I'm really grateful for that. And parents, is is you listen to this or have questions, and and be, be it's okay to be critical. It's okay to think critically. Know that we're um, we're trying to come at this from the best way and an effective way. Uh, to, to reach your child um, in a loving way that points them to Jesus. But all the same, sometimes uh, new philosophies or different philosophies can, can be challenging for us. What I would, I would challenge you in this is to ask good questions, assume positive intent from us, uh, but feel free to, to pull us aside. Um, I know Emily would be open to discussing that, uh, as Marie and I are, and, and ask your child's teacher, you know, um, what did you think of this? What what stood out to you? What was challenging? Because I know there were several of us mm-hmm. that were challenged by things yeah. that we may not agree with, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But but definitely knowing that, that we're here to, to love these children and love them to life, and life being with a capital L, mm-hmm. life of, of, of a life with Christ. And so uh, that being said, um, you know, parents, pull us aside, and we'll come back with more podcasts here shortly. But thanks again uh, for you guys listening, and we'll be back soon.